0: There's a place some of us go each fall, a place where the ring of a bell filters through the covers and hurried shouts of, bird up, bring everybody to attention, a place where the playful puppies around our house are transformed here to driven bird finders, and where there is confidence in the slow pace of the silver-muzzled old veterans. Where our friends tell the same old stories each year, and none of us seem to mind. Where great shots are forgotten, and epic misses never fade. Where an old gun will have a story to tell, if only it could speak to us. Where all the good seats are claimed by the dogs. If you have a camp, you know these things all too well. If you don't, well, you're always welcome here. So pull up a chair, tell us about your favorite gunner dog, and we'll admire the birds together and talk the night away by the fire. Welcome to Bird Camp.
1: No, I, like I said, I, I already knew what I was going to yep. answer to every one of the questions you sent me, but I already know as soon as you ask them, I'm like, Bleh. so yeah,
0: ner- nerves are the way to nerves are <laughs> definitely the way to go around here. So. And remember, like like someone mentioned already, we're just sitting down talking, which is yeah. generally how I'm going to leave it anyway. And since I hit record 20 seconds ago, we'll just yeah, leave it. perfect. All right, perfect. This, is, this is the Bird Camp Podcast, and I am your host, Joe Schwenke. And uh, well, let's get through some of our business. Coming up real soon, Andy Collins seminar over in Beaverton at Blackbriar Spaniels. Um, I am going to get to sit down with Andy, so there will be a great British accent. Uh, He's a Scotsman, a Scottish accent, Um, as well as there's another handler there that we're going to try to get an American mind and and Andy's mind together and let them talk about the dynamics of dog handling um, at a very high level there, as well as at the end of July, I'm over at Banasa Bonanza up at Aspen Thicket Gun Dogs, Grouse Dogs, they are Grouse Dogs. And hopefully then I'll have my microphones in somebody else's face up there. And that's just a star studded list of just incredible knowledge, um, when it comes to the birds as well. So there's some great stuff coming up there as well as of course, I'm scrounging around for a few other unique guests. Um, we have a new couple of new sponsors. You are going to hear me say a few things about them throughout the podcast. I try to keep it short, um. No one likes 10 minutes of ads, me more than all of you. Um, do want to go through, though, that thank you to MyGunGrip.com for the gun grip that's slowly, it, it was the first thing. I'm now up to three or four things in a prize pack that at some point we're going to give away to a listener um, as well. Of course, the like, share, rate, and review Uh, The rate and review thing, and two, telling a friend is very important to the podcast. If you want to contact the podcast, mi.birdcamp at gmail.com, or you can see me on Instagram at birdcamppod, or on Facebook, go ahead and follow, the friends list is getting rather big, um, just at birdcamp, and you should see stuff there. So with that, welcome Adam Wilson to the podcast. Hey, how you doing,
1: Joe?
0: Doing good. This one, I I know Adam is a gear junkie.
1: That's an understatement, but yes. Yeah. Re-
0: reformed waterfowlers <laughs> are all gear junkies. Adam is now an uplander, and why not talk gear, right? At some point, right. every podcast has to talk about gear, and feel free at this point, if you don't like talking about gear, listen anyway. So, with with that... First, first item of course is our dilemma letter. Like I said, pandemonium at some point, (laughs) that was me knocking a notebook into the microphone and Bree is the most alert dog in this house by a long shot. Anyway, so the dilemma letter, this is of course brought to you by Aspen Thicket Grouse Dogs, offering grouse centered dog training and home to uncle grouse. If you are dissatisfied with your grouse hunting. Try doing what your uncle told you to do. And with that, onto our letter. This one is by somebody, of course, we're going to call Heinrich. Heinrich writes in, Bird Camp Podcast, I was wandering down memory lane in one past evening, and this story came to mind. A group of my extended uncles way back in the day had a hunt for pheasants in southern Michigan, maybe back in the early 70s. Five or six of them and a few family canine pets hit a number of neighboring farms just after harvest. There was plenty of birds around and Uncle Tim had a brand new humpback savage that was unblooded at this point. Uncle Tim was placed at the center of the line and the first few minutes had already put two roosters in the bag. Grinning from ear to ear, he volunteered to switch places with an end gunner. and and allow someone else to shoot closer to the cover. Of course, as the other uncles tell it, the next ditch intersection produced a veritable cloud of roosters that all seemed to have kamikazed toward Tim. Well, bing, bang, boom. Three more hit the tally for Uncle Tim. Tim always insisted that there were other shots in that roll of thunder besides his, but did admit that those were misses. At one point later, he held up the guard in the rear, if you know what I'm saying, as the party pushed into an adjacent weedy swamp. And while they were so involved with their maneuvers, another rooster slipped between the brothers in line, and when Tim was catching up, he stumbled right into it. The whole day was one of the lucky horseshoe days, and Tim had close to three-quarters of the limit that day. Anywhere he was, the rooster seemed to fly by a little bigger and slower. A great day for sure, and now, in wondering what may have become of that old savage, maybe some luck remains in it <laughs> well with with that, I don't know if there's too much of a dilemma in there, but what's your first thoughts adam
1: i uh, I actually think there's a fairly decent dilemma there, like um i I get the courtesy of all right. My time's over, let's go sit to the end. But if you're having that kind of action and you're the only one hitting it, maybe it's time to just maybe step straight aside, let everyone else get into it.
0: Mm-hmm. I know it, At least doesn't, to me. It it doesn't mention if any of the other ones were shooting. It just, you know, and what a what a day though, right? That's right. And and back back in the day, I know grandpa grandpa and uncles around here even had those stories where, man, it was just pheasant city and, and you never knew what was really going to happen there. But, uh, yeah, kind of, kind of spread the wealth, share the wealth, right? That's, you yeah. don't want to be called a game hog.
1: Well, it sounds like it wasn't even just being a game The Three quarters of a five person party is,
2: Pretty substantial share. I
1: I know. I I know. We
0: don't, we don't do that anymore. Um, within our party, you know, we, we come right out and say it. I know that uh, South Dakota, I guess still allows party hunting. Yeah. Um, and, and too, if I'm going to spend all the money to go out to South Dakota, don't shoot my birds. Yes. At, at what do they charge now? $100 a bird per day if you shoot your limit? It's going to be $350 a day in a lodge?
1: I've kind of hit the point in my life, too, where, like, something like that. If I, I'd rather kill one of my own than have you kill 15 for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's,
0: I think we get that more with maturity as well, too. I mean, there were days when I was younger that I'm sure I would have loved to have shot everybody's limit. Um, yes. And now at a certain point, I want to see them do it on their own. Or if they're just, if they got a streak going where they just can't hit the ground, I maybe I'll just stand back and tease them. Yeah. I am not, I'm not too mature for that. Um, <laughs> offer to trade guns, hand them more shells. Uh, it's all there with a smirk and a, yep tomorrow's maybe my shooting slump day yeah <laughs> but uh, those actually one of these days i would like to get some of the old uncles of ours on i know shannon shannon's side has some pheasant hunting stories in there and that might be something um maybe not a full episode but
1: yeah yeah i mean it, it, it's crazy to think how full circle the states come i mean yeah was it the mid 70s there were... mm-hmm close to a million birds harvested yeah pretty pretty crazy i can't even imagine a michigan like that and
0: and her grandpa used to tell these stories and we've heard him enough times that uh he worked he worked at gm and on the way home he could come home grab a dog and it was really family pet dogs he could get two roosters before dinner yeah and he could do it two three days a week yeah and And that was just walking down the neighbor's ditches, wave at him. Hi, how you doing? Hey, I'll bring you one over later. He was also a big fisherman. So you never knew what, what value he'd accrued already, handing off (laughs) walleye and salmon or whatever else he was catching. Um, but that's a a totally different time. And I would like to get some of them recorded before it's gone. That's, that's 50 years ago. Yeah. So, but this is of course the obligatory gear issue. And so we'll start right out. What did you start out with when you started Upland Hubs?
1: Uh, you know, nothing. Uh, way back before I did it as a steady hobby, we would do it, as you know, one weekend a year. Me and my stepdad would go stomp around, uh, you know, heavy blue jeans, maybe a pair of long johns under to keep the thorns poking all the way through, and an orange hat, and, you know, one of those Meyer or Walmart orange vests. It, um when I really decided I wanted to do it seriously, um, I did finally buck up and buy a pair of just cheap, the Wrangler denim brush pants and, you know, fancy Upland shirt and the same cheap Walmart vest, but this one had pockets and that's what we started with. And uh, yeah, I had the bird dog, had the gun, had no sense, but starting to look (laughs) the part.
0: Yep. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I'm not sure what I started with. I think I had some rabbit stuff long before I had any bird stuff. Dad's a houndsman, of course. But uh, eventually I, I splurged for a Browning burden Light vest. And that was my big ticket for, I don't know, close to 10 years? More than 10 you, years
1: maybe now. You know, it's funny because of the follow-up question. I I, uh, I know we're going to get to it, but. That same that I had a PAL burden light, which I believe is the same thing, mm-hmm. and that was actually sent to me by uh, Scott Grush. Yeah, um, I posted a picture and I said, you know, anyone have a vest? You know, my my cheap Walmart vest tour. <laughs> and I said, you know, I don't really have a lot of money, and you know, everyone's throwing out the you know the Q4s and everything. And at the time, I just there's no way. And then I get a PM from Scott and he says, hey, I've got a vest I'm not a big fan of. I'll send it to you. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. So I open up this package and there's a grouse feather sitting on top of the package and there's, you know, a couple hundred dollar vest in it. And I message him back and I'm like, you know, Scott, this is, this is too much. He's like, well, if it is, put some use to it then. So yeah, it took a long time before I replaced that one because yeah, it was kind of neat. It was kind of like, you know, like almost like a, you know, I was younger then too. It was almost like a here kid, go get them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, yep. So. <laughs> that was the vest I ran with for a long time too Yep. yeah it was
0: I switched over to khakis because they were lighter but it was always Carhartt pants because they were just thick enough they weren't real thick but they were just thick enough and I've always had work boots yeah. but uh, there was there was really nothing special about any of that gear no.
1: <laughs> no. I used to wear my old, uh, duty boots mm. from work. So mm-hmm. I'd have the, you know, the old black duty boots, but I, after they got too scuffed up to get polished, I'd work them into the bird rotation. <laughs> those were my bird or rabbit hunting boots for the longest time.
0: <laughs> I have, I have it the opposite way. Now when I get a new set of boots on the work allowance, the Gore-Tex is still good. <laughs> so I hunt those until they leak and then they go to work until they need replaced. And so my rotation is backwards, but, uh, <laughs> I know no one at work listens to the podcast, so I think I'm still good. But, uh, what did it, what did it start out? You know, we, we started with some of the cheap gear, you know, what was your first shotgun?
1: You know, my first, my first shotgun was, uh, given to me by my stepdad when I was like 16, it was a Mossberg 500 had the slow barrel and the bird barrel. I hunted that for a very long time, and then my first true blue I purchased it shotgun was a Mossberg eight thirty five. Little too big for upland. Mm-hmm. Um, it was light, but it just cumbersome to carry around. Um, I ended up finally, finally just biting the bullet, and I bought a uh, a Franke twenty gauge over under because you know why not? That's what every serious uplander has. <laughs> I'll be honest. I, I can't shoot it for crap. Still to this day, it doesn't really fit. It's you know, I spent a lot of money on it. You know, not knowing, but just buying the looks. And, yep. Yeah, I carried that gun around everywhere, just just trying to look the part with the broken barrels. <laughs> oh, I slogged
0: around with a. What is it? I bought. I bought it. My first gun. I turned up until then. I was handed guns. I'd shot a couple of grouse before I was eighteen. Mainly, we were deer scouting. And before season closed, you'd see him run into the woods and dad yeah. would hand you the two shells in the cup holder, go to the back door, grab the gun out of the case. Cause everything of course has to be fully cased, unloaded, shove two shells into a, either an old pump or whatever was handy at the time. And, and it switched guns a few different times. Sometimes it was a single shot cause they were easy to, easy to use and, uh, they'd run off the road. You'd run up there and blast away. I got one in the air doing that. And I, that's one of the few <laughs> I know I've gotten and uh, cuz it surprised me to no end that I actually hit it and uh, after that at 18 I bought an 870 express realized how much I did not like that gun <laughs> and the next year I was sitting in the woods with a Browning Satori and uh <laughs> <laughs> i my my dad had always had one and he had shot clays he'd he'd done some skeet league and uh, and that's the gun I should have bought when I turned 18. I should yeah. have saved my money like an adult, which I clearly wasn't at 18. Yeah. Who does that at 18? <laughs> oh, I didn't do that till about 38. It seems like <laughs> so, right. With, with that, um, so really it's just, and, and this is something I've talked about with Dennis and some other guys too. And in, on the podcast, you, you start with what you have, yeah. you know, you know, your duty boots, my work boots. Uh, by all means wear pants and something orange and and hit the woods um, but the next one this is the gear junkie question I love to ask so what would you buy that you never actually used
1: oh a few <laughs> things um, so probably nothing too terribly expensive um, I started getting real carried away with stuff for the dogs um, and and this is I know i'm going to catch some flag from this and this is no mean saying that I haven't that they don't have their place. It's just um my short hair gets his feet beat up quite a bit, so I had this bright idea I was gonna spend a lot of money and buy good top premium boots. And the one thing I found is unless you're hunting somewhere where there's desert or sandburrs, they become more injury causing than injury preventing. Um, Ace just could not find fitting. Anytime there's wet furs, he lost his Bust his butt, so that's probably primary. I have a very, very good set of dog boots that I don't use. Um, same thing early, you know, chest protectors. Same thing that cause more chafing than they ever did prevent scratching. Um, Body, a set of dog goggles. Uh, I'm still up in the air on those. Uh, they do exactly what I intend to do. I just don't feel like he hunts as well with them, so he often doesn't wear them. As far as gear for me that I bought and I don't use, um, I, a lot of really fancy hunting shirts. You know, again, trying to look the part. I wanted the button down with the shooting patch. and Two things fall in. is, is One, they're, they're usually cotton, so they're crap when it's cold or wet. And they're usually long sleeve and heavy, which is crap for early season. So yeah, I have a whole closet full of really nice looking shooting shirts that I'm sure I can wear to any banquet I go to. But as far as actually out in the woods, I, yeah, they probably won't see any time, anytime soon. <laughs> I'm
0: I'm looking around at this, and the 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 trouble with what I have in here is, I've thrown away or gave away or anything donated absolutely yes. anything that I don't want anymore, and that comes down to if I have to use gas to take it up north, it needs to be usable. And so I've went from a tote that's, you know, two foot by three foot down to, I can grab my vest, which already has my shells in it, some dog water and a gun, and I can be out the door. And for (laughs) the most part, I've got just enough to get by, barring some weird situation, right? You always have a compass. You always have a multiplier. I've got, I've got bags of zip ties. So there's always 10 zip ties in everything. And for the most part, I can get out there and hunt all day on almost nothing. You know, hit a gas station for snacks on the way up. Um, one thing I did have, and it's only, I bought something better before I used it, was it had an old handheld GPS. And it was okay. a little Bushnell backtrack. Yep. And by the time I figured out how to use it, I already had an Astro. And I didn't need it anymore. And you hate to not carry it. You're like, oh, I, I got this thing. I should carry it. No, 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 no. Throw everything you don't yep. want to carry. Or if you've been on five hunts and not used anything, it, if you haven't used it in five hunts, it should not come with you anymore.
1: Yeah, I'm starting to, I'm starting to go through the purge stage currently. <laughs> I uh, About once a year, I go dig it through my closet. And if I haven't touched it or worn it, I start sending messages, especially <laughs> people with young kids, you know, like... You know, hey, do you will you need a shooting shirt? Yeah, sure. Okay, it's yours. <laughs> Good. Yep. <laughs>
0: Good. How do how did I find out I had 6 orange stocking hats? Yeah, right. <laughs> what, what, where did they all come from? I don't know. Did I need them and I bought them one at a time. I know I didn't buy them two or 3 at a time, but now it's like, man, we have we have a lot of these or um and you can never have enough jersey gloves. A dry pair of gloves no. whether I carry it with me or there's two pairs on the dash. There's always some somewhere, but, uh, those I guess are something that you never use, but you'd better have a pair somewhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what have you saved
1: up for that you found is worth it? I, so uh, the Garmin, like you kind of hit the nail with when you said Astro, um, my wife actually did me a super solid. I'd been talking about it and talking about it and talking about it and, you know, spouting the benefits of it. And, uh, for Christmas one year, she got me. A Garmin. Uh, Fast forward four or five years later, um, I can't imagine hunting without it. It's not so much that it's not so much that I don't trust my dogs or anything. Just the knowledge that comes with it. You know, the the watching where your dogs are, being able to track your mileage, being able to read your dogs. I I don't think it gets enough credit for that. Like, I know the average speed my dogs carry. Um, If they're looking off. I can do a quick verification of that by seeing what their average speed is. Hmm. Um, Like, for a fact, on a good hunt day, fern averages about 8 to 9 miles an hour. If I see you're slowing down in around the six range, something's wrong. Maybe it's time to go back to the truck and figure out what's going on. I don't think they get enough credit for stuff like that. Hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, everyone talks about, oh, you know, if the dog's lost and everything. Yeah, but there's a lot of real-time data that you can actually pull (laughs) from it while you're out there that I really like.
0: Yep. Yeah, the... The nuances of, of the GPS and it, it makes another thing obsolete though. And that is it made my bell obsolete. Oh, I still run them. Really?
1: I still run a bell if I'm in the grasslands usually.
0: I I found that between, I, I, I still think no matter what a beeper is an obnoxious, (laughs) obnoxious piece of technology that if I was going to hunt submarines, let's go talk about beepers. I absolutely despise a beeper. Um, But if I'm hunting with somebody who loves their beeper, I keep my mouth shut. It's their dog. It's their hunt. And I'm more than willing to enjoy the dog work because it's it's not my place, Um, which is a nice way to segment it really, because I will not own one. I might have one somewhere in the bottom of a gear tote that I haven't looked in since deer season, when I needed to flame my deer drag and I opened (laughs) everything I had to find that drag, but that one, the, the bell, the, the nuances in the Garmin, like you said, I don't know if something's weird or something's not right, but if I look at that thing and it goes 82 yards, 83 yards, 81 yards, either he's birdie or if I knew he was checking out where a bird possibly went down that we winged, he's got it and I can yeah. whistle him in, or he's playing around with a porcupine.
1: Yeah, I, I so, <laughs> the reason, I, I learned see, that the hard it, way, three times. Oh, see, I got lucky. My dogs aren't porcupine dogs. I, I got, he, one got hit once and the other one has no interest in them. Thank, all he did was bump, the Lord.
0: all he did was bump noses. But now when I look at that and oh. he's kind of lingering around a spot,
1: I go to that spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the bells for, for a couple of reasons. I'll admit it. It's the one old school thing I kind of embraced. I, mm-hmm. I, I really just like the sound of it. It makes sense in the grouse woods. And I find walking through the grouse woods, I'm already paying attention to so much like foot placement, the next tree, the next little path, the next little everything. The last thing I want to be doing is looking down at my watch or my Garmin every three seconds to, oh, yep. where's the dog? Where's the dog? Where's the dog? So yep. I, I like being able just to go, okay, something's going, going on <laughs> over there. Completely different out in the field. Out in the field, I, I use it for those nuances, like you said. Like, I'll look and all of a sudden, you know, Ace will go from 45 yards to 115 yards. Okay, well, he's on a runner because he does not run that big. Mm-hmm. So it's time to start putting it in a second, you know, a different gear and get going. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I I no time for beepers or bells out there. But in the Grouse Woods, I don't know. It just seems to fit. <laughs> it, it is a neat nod to tradition, right? That
0: is. Yeah. And the nice thing is I I don't mind the sound of the bell. I found my dog didn't seem to listen so much when he had that ringing in his ears. Um, not that really eliminating the bell changed some of that. He's still that way. Um, and I can generally know where they're at within reason without really looking at the GPS I have on purpose. Yeah. Put it in a spot where it's in a pocket, it's handy, but it's not so handy that I'm glued to a screen like my kids in their Minecraft right now. I want I want to be able to keep my head up, watch my footing at the same time, and I'm aware that my dog is out in front, front left, front right, out center. I know kind of where he is. He checks in often enough. Actually, both of them do rather well. Yeah. But uh, if I had something that ran a little bigger and a little faster, that bell might come back
1: out if I had trouble keeping up or, or aware of where he was. The pro- the reason I run a bell, Mosey, I really don't need one on fern. That bright white just stands out. But with, mm-hmm. You've met Ace, that mm-hmm. black. It would model short hair. I even with the bell, like I like, cool. The bell's gone silent. I don't know where the hell my dog is half the time. He just blends, especially early season when the ferns are three feet tall. Yep, I I can never find him or see them. Now, side bonus to that same question, um, I did buy the pairing watch for my garment, and I found that to be. I'm using the bell less because looking at my wrist while it's already in my gun hand, infinitely mm-hmm. easier than constantly grabbing the handheld. Yep. It, that's been, that's been a pretty neat tool.
2: Hmm.
1: I still have yet to pony up for a watch. Yeah. It, 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 I recommend it. I really well, do. Cause it, it takes a lot of the stuff we're talking about. It just takes it completely out. You just glance down. It vibrates when they're on point. Like it's, it's pretty handy. It's,
0: my trouble is to get to the point where I get a watch. I have to trade in my 220 Astro. That's right, 220 oh. Astro, and I'm in for a 1,200 dollars bill. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a bit much. And I'm, yeah. So, <laughs> so while I spend fortunes on everything else, I will suffer. Um, and, and the nice thing is, then, as I try to make friends with people on Facebook who may, on Marketplace, be offering uh, DC 40 collars. <laughs> All the, uh, no longer serviced, um, yeah. German parts, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, so when are you going to part with that, uh, Frankie, if you can't seem to hit anything with it?
1: You, well, you know, it, it's funny. I, I, I don't take a grouse hunting and I think it's because, um, I can't snap shoot it. The one thing I've discovered, if I've got setup time, um, I shoot it really well. So it's turned into my prairie gun. I'll Hmm. call it. Um, it, it, You know, the over under is reliable. It never, never jams. Never doesn't fire. I I usually pheasant hunt with it. Yes, they're quick. Yes, they're fast. But you're the shooting's different. I've got set up time. I can usually develop a posture to shoot. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, but when I'm in the grouse woods, I can't hit anything with the damn thing. So (laughs) I, I I don't even bring it anymore. Uh,
0: I, I have noticed. The difference, yes, between any sort of a prairie situation and what we normally find in the woodcock and grouse cover is it feels, especially if you're good at hitting stuff that normally you don't see very well, that's not as hard to shoot a pheasant at first. Then you, well, then you have time to overthink it. Yes.
1: And that's when you miss. I often shoot a warning shot before I finally (laughs) knock a bird down. That, That happens quite a bit. Yep. (laughs)
0: that's yeah a warning warning shot you're just being a sportsman (laughs) but uh oh boy um what kind of things
1: are you eyeing next uh you know i guns of course it kind of never stops uh didn't really have any hand-me-downs growing up pretty you know none of my family was bird hunters um a lot of rifles in the family and stuff, but shotguns, not really. There are a few, and I know that question is going to come up later, so I'm going to save that one, but, um, Mm -hmm. there, as far as overall gear, I, I I think I'm, I'm more in the gun and the gun stage, uh, just bought a side by side 16, just bought a Beretta 28 gauge. I'm thinking i want to get an over under 28 because why not um realistically my next purchase is probably going to be an over under 410 um i do a lot of woodcock hunting locally as we've talked about i'm not gonna run anything big um it just seems like a fun gun to carry with Mm. me in my little local covers
0: Ooh, yeah yeah and you and you could probably go big on the price tag too right
1: I mean, you know, I've been looking anywhere from four hundred to four grand, and I haven't decided which one I want to roll with yet. I would highly recommend
0: the four grand, only because if I had a weakness, right right now, I'm feeding two teenage boys and four dogs, so my weakness is I can look, and that that one of the reasons my shooting sportsman uh, membership lapsed was I could no longer. (laughs) I could no longer tolerate looking (laughs) and I'm sitting there going, man, that's a beautiful gun next page and another beautiful gun Yeah, and and another place (laughs) that I can't go to right now. And I, I will eventually resubscribe, but, uh, for now I, I have my, my one and, uh, about the time the boys graduate and join the military or whatever it is they plan on doing. I'll probably start a, a side job fund for
1: another gun. Well, I got to stop fishing. That's to buy my guns because I, I went to the gun store for the first time in a while today and realized that that's seriously cutting into my gun habit. So,
2: mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: yeah. I...
0: <laughs> Although technically I thought fishing was supposed to be the cheap hobby.
1: Yeah, okay. Just don't lose nope. a lure. So you, you, you know, I'm gear obsessed, so just imagine. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I,
0: I fish from a canoe right now, so I have 60 bucks, 70 bucks into a rod and reel. Mostly it's the reel, um, because I didn't exactly skimp on that, but, uh, yeah, two, two containers of crawlers, paddle one of the boys around some weedy lake in Ionia County and, I can get away for about $20 worth of snacks from the Wesco, some gas,
1: and 10 bucks in crawlers. It'd be a lot more fun if I was wired like that. I'll admit that. But unfortunately, I'm wired in the sense where I watch a YouTube video about salmon fishing three months ago, and now I have two downriggers and 15 rods and leg core and copper setups. It's, oh, goodness. It's out of control. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, yes, and, and side-looking sonar. and uh, it, Well, f- no, I'm
1: not, I'm not that out of control. Oh, come on, it. now. you close. A,
0: you don't have a big-screen Lowrance sitting there that's got... Oh, what do they I got actually now? do not. No, they don't have one of those 19-inch screens yet for a Lowrance. Oh, they do. I just don't have
1: one. Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's... Yeah, that's a piece of gear I don't have. Um, <laughs> What are you... What do you use for cheap, right? I mean, we can we can talk about expensive. All like, I like expensive, which yeah. kind of really kills my lifestyle. But at the same time, right? I mean, not everybody. You know, some some people's wives don't tolerate the drain on the family finances that I am. Yes.
1: What What can we get away with? So I actually have a few things that I'll I'll run through. I'll I'll start with a gun. Um, One of my favorite grouse guns is a, I'm going to air quote here, cheap gun. Um, It's a, uh, I don't know, a a TriStar Viper. Oh, yeah. Um, In 20-gauge semi-auto, it's dependable, it's reliable, Mm -hmm. it's light, and I shoot it well. So there's many days where I leave the... You know, the guns that start with price tags in the thousands in the truck, and I'll grab my little TriStar. I'm a big fan of that little gun. Um, another thing I like to carry is um, I always have sun buffs with me, and it's not because of my sun issues. It's in early season when the bugs are real bad and the horse flies are buzzing your face. I can pull the sun buff up over most of my face and my back and my neck. Um, and then when it's cold out, it's just enough to keep your face from sweating and everything, but it's, it also keeps the wind from biting at your cheeks and everything. Hmm. I always have, you know, $15 sun buffs stuffed in a pocket of my vest somewhere. Um, I wear them more times than not. They come in
2: okay. very
1: handy. I, I, and it's funny cause I, I feel like I'm the only person that wears them upland hunting, but yeah, I am a major fan of them. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, I think the day we went pheasant hunting when we had a good wind going. I pulled one up over my face. I just I can't yep. stand cold a cold cheek and a cold nose. I can't do it. So
0: Yep. Yep. And I and I found that same thing with the winter. You know, you use the sun buff. I've got a I've just got a cheap scarf. Yeah. You can buy all you want that covers your torso and you can have the perfect layering system when you add a cheap wool scarf to your neck. And you just essentially you give yourself a four inch collar yeah what a huge difference it makes and and I wear them I wear them during work I wear them most of the winter long I have a scarf with me if my sweatshirts are with me I have a scarf what a difference keeping you warm keeping the wind off you Um, it what a what a nice and it's cheap right that's not yeah it's not a base layer from from one of these companies that's gonna get you right? This is any, any store scarf and you're going to abuse it, but you can abuse it for 10 years. It's just a piece of fabric that you wrap around your neck a little bit. Um, it also makes me feel like a Ebenezer Scrooge sitting somewhere in the cold (laughs) all the time because I mean, frugality is one of those things, right? I can either turn the thermostat up or since you can't outdoors, I mean, scarf has worked for centuries for people. Um, and they're
1: basically cheap. But yep, that's uh, what's why I like those. So you can find those little Facebook targeted ads where it's for, oh yeah. for fifteen bucks or whatever. <laughs> that's I probably mm-hmm. got three hundred of the damn things, and yeah, I, I wear them. You know, fishing, mowing the lawn, bird hunting. Like I said, early season, late season. It's yep. it, the amount of use I get out of them is is huge. Yep. So no, how are your feet? I I. I feel like I don't ever get enough time out of the boots, so I might look into purchasing. I, I've been looking at some of the, you know, the real serious guys in our sport, they, what they've been wearing. But as of right now, I'm wearing uh, light hikers. Um, hmm. I, I hate boots, um, so I wear the, the well, I guess they're hiking boots, but yeah, um, I don't think hunting boots do enough for the type of sport we do, where you might be laying down 10 to 11 miles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I wear hiking boots. Um, I find that they never leave me painful. They just maybe fall apart under the conditions I put them through a little quicker than I'd like. I have a set of
0: boots that I think I paid 5 bucks at a garage sale for, and they've lasted now, I think, two years. And they're just simply, and it's, I don't have good feet. I have flat feet. One's fully flat and one's close to. They're black Concrete worker, rubber barn boots. Okay. But they don't leak. No. And if and you're in, you and if you're in a spot where you're in that woodcock bordering snipe area, and you're going to be in ankle deep water periodically. Cause that's, well, one of the spots that's not tree infested, so you can walk there Yeah. as well as, you know, in and out of puddles, depending on your terrain. If you're in one of those spots that gets some rain. It's a, I think, I think retail, they're 15 bucks. I've gotten two years out of this set of boots. That's um, kind of amazing. It is. And <laughs> I, in fact, I still wear them right now. Like if I go back to the duck swamp or around here, I'll wear them most of the year. And I can't sit very long in them, right? They're not a duck hunting yeah. boot. They're just a basic rubber. Your feet get sweaty, but you're up. It's it's 40 degrees or a 50 degree high woodcock hunting all day long in a pair of wool, wool socks. And... I mean literally they're dirt cheap, they're waterproof and as long as I'm not on concrete or a lot of pavement or like hard packed gravel I've not had any foot pain. Huh. So if you're if if it works for you, one of the cheapest sets of boots I've ever had and you can always throw an insole in them too. Yeah. But I mean nothing like dry feet.
1: You know, it's funny. I, I actually fall on the opposite camp for you there. I would rather hunt with soaked feet than, let, than wear rubber boots. Really? Yeah, I, so I, I have a problem with ankle support. That's mm. why I wear the, the hiking boots. Mm-hmm. Uh, rubber boots, by the time I'm done hunting, I know I've been hunting that day. Okay. You um, usually have a real hard time. And there are exceptions to that. Like um, I think you've done it, too, where you go from the sharptail country up in the eastern U.P., Mm-hmm. Every field's got three to four inches of water in it. Obviously, I'm not a glutton for that much punishment. I'll I'll wear rubber boots, <laughs> but yeah, no. usually grouse or woodcock hunting, I I almost have to wear a proper yeah. Boot.
0: And in the yeah. sharp tail country I've been in, I don't want my rubber boots. Yeah, I need the ankle support because every step, I don't know if I'm getting into an elevation change until just about the time I think my foot should hit ground. It may be six inches off yet. And I've, the couple of places that we go and look for Sharpies, every step you have, if you're not watching your feet, you're going to end up in a hole. Yep. And I have one bad knee from a a slight incident at a bachelor party years ago. And if I do too many of those where that knee comes down in a hole, I end up taking Motrin for the next two days, (laughs) getting my knee back right again. And it's the middle of camp or something like that. So I can't exactly stop and rest uh, for a day, right? So I got to treat me a little different. My my Sharpie experience is I want something laced tight, leather, ankle support. <laughs> no,
2: I'll so take we're, snake we're boots. For the, right. <laughs>
0: I'll take snake boots. You know, I, I want something stiff. I mean, I don't want my ankles to move. Um, mainly because I have, yeah, it's, it's just been that, that kind of a rough scenario in that area. But, uh, and then I found one day, there's a, there's just a crack in the ground. And I look down six feet, like if I didn't, yeah, just, just, a, you know, it's, it's that the only way that you get grassland without trees yeah. is, is to not have any room for roots. And all of a sudden you come to the spot where, yeah, there's only going to be five inches of soil. You get bushes at the best. And all of a sudden you get to that rock layer that's keeping it all grassland and you look down you're like, whoa, okay. <laughs> I hope the dogs notice this crack here, too, because <laughs> that's a rescue mission waiting to happen. Um, but, yeah, the, the footwear, I'm, I would not recommend cheap footwear other than I've just had good experience. I mean, I, I run in $240 pairs of Red Wings, but all of a sudden, $15 black concrete boots, if your feet handle it well, is a huge money saver. I might have to try it for fifteen bucks. They don't have much to lose, right? If if not, they turn into mud boots for around here. I got the garden and other stuff like yeah. that. So it's I I always need a pair, no matter what. Um, just luckily they work out. But uh, there's also a neat trick that if you have water-resistant pants, do not tuck them into your waterproof boots. If there's <laughs> water around. <laughs> like on trees if it's dewy if it may rain on you a little bit you want to keep your pants outside your boots yes but uh other pieces of cheap gear i mean there's i know there's lots i can think of one more already
1: Not gloves um i have expensive gloves i have cheap gloves um i find i wear all of them equally hmm. um <laughs> i'm the type of guy that wears gloves from opener to close um yeah, I, I actually hot tip. If you're you're looking at really nice gloves and you're like, I don't want to spend sixty dollars on gloves. I hunted for a long time using baseball gloves, like batter's gloves.
0: Oh yeah,
1: um, they're easy to manipulate your trigger and your safety. Um, protect your hands from thorns. Still keep the wind off of them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but they're usually no more than fifteen, twenty bucks at Dunhams or whatever your sporting goods store is. Yep. Uh, they, yeah, I got a lot of use out of batting gloves
2: mm-hmm.
1: that was a tip given to me by probably the best grouse hunter I know. So
0: shoot, I don't remember doing that for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to put me in the best of any of that category, <laughs> not by a long shot. Um, on the, on the thing of cheap gloves, Jersey gloves, unless they're wet, yeah. they work real nice. Um, and keep a sec or keep them in a the ziplock bag, you know, unless you don't want to carry unnecessary gear. If you're out hunting, just keep them as a backup pair in a ziplock in your vest for, for two and a half bucks or whatever it is now for a set of jerseys. I'm getting, my wife is seconding the batting gloves. <laughs> but uh, getting messages from over in, in the corner. But uh, <laughs> jersey gloves. At one time, surplus stores also sold the green military wool liner gloves. Yeah. And again, not a bad piece of gear for not many dollars at the time. Um, but, they're, boy, between gloves, you can wreck a pair of pants in no time. I ran with TSC khakis. Cause they had the carpenter pocket and they were, I think when they were on sale, they were under 15 bucks. That's probably changed now thanks to inflation, but
1: I'm sure they're $18 now, <laughs> but uh, boy, you know, another good one that I, I, for a long time I would buy, I would go up to tractor supply and buy those packs of safety glasses mm. uh, for grouse hunting. And it was the see, i had them. I don't need glasses. I don't wear glasses. Um, but just getting whapped in the eye by an Aspen seedling one too many times. The safety glasses, it's more just being able to, uh, I'd like to lie and say it's about safety, but for me it's more just being able to be more aware. I I find myself squinting is less, ducking around is less, Mm -hmm. worrying less. And yeah, those cost 50 cents a pair. Yep. Yeah, that that I went long time with those, and you can get even get the yellow frames too, which low yeah. light conditions and stuff. So, yeah, I yeah. use those a
0: lot. Yeah, the cheap Remington shooting glasses are yep. one of those things, and it's if you get into a lot of balsams, when you get yeah. away from the aspens and you get into something where you have to walk through and push your way through something, there's a certain confidence you get when you know you can walk through there. And you're not going to hurt your eyes. You know, I got yes. a, I got a beard, so it's not like my cheeks are going to get hurt by some pine needles, but you do have to kind of watch your eyes. And after about the third time you walk through something and realize that part of your face is kind of invulnerable. Um, you can get to that dog on point a little quicker. Yes. You can get to that spot where you have open shooting lanes faster and even if it's a $20 pair of shooting glasses and you get five seasons out of it, right. That's, that's four bucks a season. That's cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, the only thing, make sure that they don't fog on you, right. Make sure if it's a good fitting pair, it doesn't, if it's $2 and it fits good, that great. That's why I
1: like, that's why I like those, uh, caution the word disposable, but that's why I'm a big fan of those disposable safety glasses they are usually fog proof. They're, you know, they're, they're rated, they snug well on your head, and if mm-hmm. I lose them, well, big deal. They're $2. Who mm-hmm. cares? Yep.
0: Yep. I found boy, for I guess for a hat, everyone gives away a cheap orange hat. Mm-hmm. I've not had any trouble with cheap orange hats. Now, grant, granted, you never see me wearing one anymore because I have <laughs> all my shooting caps and other stuff, but by the time you start to look at what I've paid for my, my little flat caps, the idea that you have to have that, you need, you need just something basically, if your head's orange, that helps your friends see you. Yeah. And for literally, basically the dinner ticket to a, to a raffle event, right? We'll call it a dinner, but it's really a raffle event, right? Your chances of getting an orange hat could be pretty good. Yeah. And and those yeah. well, it's all of
1: a sudden it's a seventy dollar orange hat, so it's not exactly a. I have two hats I wear on regular occasion. One's mesh, one's not. That's pretty much it. If it's really cold, I'll throw a snow hat over the one that's not mesh. Mm-hmm. That's that's my hat assortment for the most part. I mean, I've got the fancier ones that I'll bust out on occasion, but um, we don't do it regularly. But you know, when we do grouse camp. We usually have an old school day where we wear flannels and stuff like that. So I've got a couple schnazzier hats that I'll wear for that. But good, get that's out the chromer for that one, right? Yeah. Usually, if the weather's pretty, if the weather plays,
0: I'll wear it. Yep. I my kids and my wife have nice chromers, and that's because if you get them wet and you dry them out wrong, they're a kid's hat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
2: and
0: I think my first two, I I finally I kind of gave up on them. Um, actually one of my kids got one of my flat caps too. Like, okay, hold on. We, we need to come up with a policy on what to do with a wet wool cap because I can't afford this anymore. Um, but yeah, that's, that's not one of the cheap pieces of gear that you want to shrink on an annual basis. Your chromer. um, going on to one, and this is one I, I've talked about this on social media. I know a couple others have agreed with me. One of the cheapest things is a four inch rappella filet
2: knife. I'm
0: sorry, I didn't catch it what you it's a repella filet knife. One of the four inch oh, wooden okay. handled. I, now I love custom and whether it's a like I, I don't have one yet, and I'll I'll say yet, Bark River makes a beautiful burden fish.
2: Yeah.
0: Along with most of the other custom makers out there. I know Russ Plieger's another one that makes a beautiful Damascus, couple hundred dollar bird knife i have four two Rapella and two others four inch fillet knives that work from woodcock through geese and for the price of entry into the store and some of these other places it's hard to beat just a basic cheap four inch fillet knife
1: you know that's that's very true um, yeah, I've got the really good fish fillet knives and stuff, but usually if I'm cutting up game, it's a pretty low rent.
2: hmm
1: It's yeah. I think it might be a Rapala fillet knife now that you're saying that. Yeah.
0: And, and I like them traditional, so it's gotta be a wooden handle and it's gotta be a leather sheet. That's sheath. what it might is. So yep. that's $15 for, you know, I, I would love to have a $150 beautiful custom knife. I will someday because I'm that kind of person um it's it's going to be when paydays are coming without bills and other stuff so that's that's in the future um but yeah those those basic fillet knives i would i could struggle my
1: way through a deer with one i'm actually i'm gonna hijack the conversation real quick because i'm afraid i'm gonna miss it all right um cheap gear um as you know, I had an experience a couple years ago having to drag my dog out of the woods a couple miles.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm
1: going to tell you right now, for $40, the dog haulers that are for sale, I think, at Mountain Research, they're anywhere from $40 to 100 bucks. It may sound expensive to some people, but holy smokes. Had I had that, it would have been worth $400 at the time. Um, and they're tiny, they're small again just like i said with the garment i can't imagine going into the woods without that with me anymore mm-hmm. um just being able i mean never mind emergency. you know when your dog steps in the, one of those holes you're talking about breaks a leg or a, tears a cruciate mm-hmm. you know it's easy to think well no big deal I'll just carry my dog out mm-hmm. you know there's oftentimes we might be you know a mile from the car we carry 60 pounds over the course of a mile yep. that's flopping, thrashing, upset, it's its not easy.
2: <laughs> so, yeah,
1: yeah it, I, I actually even took the time to kind of train with the dogs a little bit, like, hmm. like stay still, put the, you know, and, yeah, they, they stay calm, and I walked around the backyard with them with it. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty massive. Hmm. I wanted to make sure I got that out there. I didn't mean to interrupt, but, yeah, it just I was afraid we were going to move on, and I'm like, oh, I wanted to hit that because, yeah, it's – That was probably one of the worst days of my life. And, you know, Ace is not a small short hair. I mean, he's not huge, but he's not small. Yeah. And I can tell you right now, carrying his ass a mile and a half was one of the hardest things I've ever done. And, you know, five more minutes, he would have been dead. So, Hmm. yeah, Yeah. the dog carrier. Oh, my goodness. I can't preach that enough. Dog carrier. So.
0: And that's, you know, one of the things, okay, now the the general rule of if you go on five hunts and haven't had to use it, don't take it with you, yeah, probably that's shouldn't apply to those <laughs> things. At the same time though, I've, I've carried a lensatic compass, a basic, I, I don't know what I paid for it, but it, it's old enough now that I paid what sounds like a dirt cheap amount for a basic lensatic <laughs> compass. And it's been in my vest for uh, seasons and I've never used it.
2: Don't, 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 don't
0: <laughs> leave home without a compass. Um, yes. I don't want to hear about you on the news saying the guy in the bird camp podcast said, don't take my compass. I, yes. I'm also going to go on record and say, don't be stupid. Um, granted, I, I don't have to use it because my astro tells me where the truck is. Um, but if I know, if I need to know how to go South, cause the South is where the road is, Yeah, I don't want to end up on the border of Lake Superior. Uh, when I should be going towards
1: <laughs> the other lake. And, I'm, and let's face it, we've all been there, especially in like the <laughs> northern grouse woods. Like you get into like o- late October, November, mm-hmm. there's no leaves on the trees, you get that gray sky. There's been times i popped out on the road and kind of looked back and forth and went, okay, this is not the road I thought I was going to pop out on.
0: <laughs> yeah. <You
1: know? laughs> so, yeah, you get into some pretty big country, especially up in the UP and stuff. Yeah, you no, know, yep. that's... Yeah. The,
0: the safeguard... I have a Ziploc bag that has a compass, two AA batteries, and a multiplier. And I make sure to change the batteries out of that bag into my Garmin every time it dies. So it gets new batteries three times, four times a season, and then the guiding season, you know. So I, I, I use a lot of batteries up that way. So I always have fresh ones in that bag. Some people don't think ahead that far. Carry
1: the compass. Yeah. So, yeah, I have a small compass. I don't know how reliable <clears> it is, but I have one. Um, a lighter and usually just a small, like a small little tackle box full mm-hmm. of like various like bandages, tape, yep. stuff like that. And the dog carrier. Yeah, same thing. I mean, I. Well, what if I break my ankle and I can't walk back to the car? Well, okay. <laughs> well, we might be spending the night here, right? So Right. <laughs> I, always, I always joke that with a lighter, you will find me. Yes. I'll, I'll set the woods on fire. The before firemen, I got out there. Yeah. the smoke jumpers
0: <laughs> will come get me. Now I may have to pay a hefty fine, but it's habitat and and it's okay. But <laughs> I, the, the don't do that. That's, it's yeah. a nice joke, but it's not, <laughs> or don't get caught doing that. Cause I'm a grouse hunter and uh, yeah, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did not tell you to set fires in the woods, yeah. but uh who cares about that? Anyway, but, yeah, the, the things, and I always have my pipe with me, so I always have the lighter. And yeah. that way, if I break my ankle, you will find me sitting there like a hobbit in pain, smoking my pipe, <laughs> eating my snacks. Um, what what I do carry, and this is not for everybody. Some people don't carry snacks. I, I don't understand why. I found less than a dollar a package gummy candies. And I bought a five, it was at Menards and they had a bucket sale. So you get a bucket, right? I filled a five gallon bucket with gummy snacks and I've been eating them for six months now. You know, little league games, <laughs> hunts, preserve hunts. Hey, it's a youth hunt. Oh, I'm going to need five or six packages of gummies for this. Cause there's going to be three shifts worth of youth. Cool. Go out there. <laughs> like, what are you doing? I'm eating peach rings. Would you like some? <laughs> Why, why not have at least a snack? You don't even have to eat them all the time, right? But they're individually yeah. packaged. So there's
1: blood on the outside. You're only eating the stuff out of the inside. That's true. I always have a, one of those, uh, the Nature's Valley, like the really hard yep. granola bars. That I always have one in my vest. Like the dog Worst case scenario, I'm, I'm going to make it through the night. Yep.
0: yep. Yep. I've got my pipe. I've got gummies. I've got a gun. I'm good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> Roll up in the ferns. <laughs> as long as a as long as a bear doesn't think of me as a taco at some point in the night, oh, yeah. I'm good. But uh, yeah, um, anything else in the cheap related category? I mean, there's there's Dime Store everything. One of those things is, I guess, if you don't do the lensatic compass, they make the little ball compasses with a pin yeah. on them, and those have been
1: re- reliably accurate. No, that's that's all I carry. Just small, fits right in my little first mm-hmm. day taco box. But it's it's there. Yep. Even if it's not accurate, it at least keeps my heading, so I'm not just going to walk in a circle. So, right.
0: As long as you pick one arrow and follow it, you'll yeah. go somewhere. Yeah.
1: I may not be reading true north, but, yeah, I'm going <laughs> somewhere. Yep. Um,
0: boy, before we leave the cheap gear behind, I'm just going to take a quick peek around. Nothing comes to mind right away on the cheap gear.
1: Well, oh, in oh, this oh. in this
0: room, there's probably not a pile of it either.
1: So, uh, going back to the getting rid of all the fancy shirts, yeah, Walmart three dollar bright orange shirts, just t-shirts, long sleeve tees. they're mm-hmm. three. To, well, there might be a little more than that now, but I have a whole closet full of just dirt cheap, plain, basic blaze orange. There, I mean, they're meant for construction crews, but who cares, right? whole closet full of them and they're infinitely more practical than anything I ever bought for the purpose of bird hunting.
0: Right. Cause I'm wearing one right now. Oh, oh, there you I, go. Every, <laughs> every day, an orange shirt, proud to see, be a safe worker, pocketed t-shirt. And I yep. have, I have hunted in these. Um, yeah. I, I try not to, I try not to, um, but again, it it is. It's it's versatile and they're cheap. And an entire industry is in demand for high vis, yes. and it works perfect. Um, it kind of blends us into this one here. Then later on, and uh, when to go custom and when to go cheap. We've really pushed a lot of cheap. Okay, now you can custom almost
1: anything. Yeah. I. And I think you'll agree. So, yeah, I, I found the vest. The vest, it makes a huge difference having a good vest. And I, I never quite realized it until I had good vests. Um, after being spoiled with that gift of that burden light, um, when it came time to replace it, it kind of became a, you know, I was like, oh, screw it. I'll just go buy a vest. And then I found myself in the store. like I'm like, no, these are garbage. I can't. I can't do it. I think a good vest is worth its weight or price, Um, and you don't realize that until you wear a good vest all day. Mm -hmm. Um, Same with brush pants. The market has just come up so much on those. Um, I I'm a big fan of uh, First Light and Pike Gear's brush pants. They're both not cheap, um, but they're almost pajama comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that goes a long way when you're trudging through knee-deep grass and everything and just, you still have protection, but you don't feel like you've been wearing wet blue jeans all day. Oh, yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, even sweaty blue jeans, they don't have to be yeah. wet because they got soaked, but sweaty blue jeans
1: sucks. That's Well, and it's nice when you, even if you do get soaked, you get back to camp, you throw them over the back of your chair and with these new modern materials by the next morning it's wearable again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now I'm stupid and I have more money than sense, So I have multiple pairs of what I was just talking about. I mean, but you could get away with buying a nice set of brush pants and probably get through a good three day weekend of hunting without having to rotate your pants out. If you oh. don't mind by the end of the day, getting a little wet.
0: I've made it a whole week in one set of pike gear. Yeah.
2: There we yeah. go.
0: Yeah. The Tongass pants made it a whole week. Yes. Um, I wouldn't, I would recommend occasionally just spraying them off with the hose halfway through the week if you've been sweating. Yeah. And 30, 40 minutes later, they'll be dry anyway. Yeah. You know, um, if you even have to do that. I They've been super comfortable. Um, yeah. Especially, too, late October, you, st- you get some really heavy dew. Yes. And
1: that water-resistant quality...
0: It's been kind of nice.
1: And you get those days where you, you get up there and you, you know, it might be 35 in the morning, but it's 65 by noon.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, yeah I, those new modern lightweight materials, like you don't think they'd belong in the grouse woods, but boy, when you're hunting with them on the pants, it's like you know, they keep you cool, they keep you dry in the morning, they keep you cool in the afternoon, and it's like you just can't go wrong. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's been. And if you add a little long johns under that, yeah, they're remarkably warm. They're, yeah, no, because they keep you dry. Yeah, yeah, yep. And and a little bit of a wicking long john in there just just adds to the effect. And uh, mm-hmm. from experience, that's worked really good. Because um, because December and January is preserve season for me. You start guiding around, you're you're still moving. So what's a great pair of pants in September, with an added minimal layer underneath is still more than adequate to keep you going. Yeah. And uh yeah, I, I would say that's one of those things that when you can afford it, and that's a big win, right? They're they're yeah. over two hundred bucks a pair.
1: Yeah. When when you can afford it, that's a nice upgrade. It yeah. really is. And you know, like like I said, you know, I call the first lights the cheaper option, but boy, oh boy, that's not really accurate either. They're, they're, they're I think, 170 bucks to the Pike Gears 250 or whatever. Yeah, um, The Pike Gears are much nicer, um, just a little harder hit on the wallet. But, yeah, I mean, do what you got to do to begin. I mean, if you're listening to this and you just want to get out, like, you don't need them. But you're going to be a hell of a lot more comfortable and find yourself enjoying the hunt. That much I, more when you're not wearing yeah. something garbage, and, and
0: I can testify that you don't need them. Yeah, I, I spent. I guess I I kind of my memory goes by landmarks, right? So I've been married 16 years. The boys are 14 or will be 14, one or the other. the The dog's 10, so I've been I've been hunting about two well two years plus 10, so 12 wow. years in, right? I didn't yeah. own my first set of Pike gear pants until last year. I seem to have done okay, not yes. having
1: pike gear. But it's one of those things. Like once you put them, you're like, oh, 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 okay. Well,
0: now that I'm middle aged <laughs> and I didn't buy the
1: Corvette
0: after all, I have money for the the pants and the vest, um, and and the upgrade really is. As much as I love my shooting, that wingman vest is is a nice addition as well. But again, I shot a lot of birds in a lot yeah. of other stuff first. And yes. the idea that if, if you're wondering if you can afford it, spend the money on fuel, go
1: hunting. Yeah, get out there over. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And and I'll, I'll apologize to Brent. <laughs> Just go hunting. And yeah. then later on, yeah. when you have a, a career or something else, go back and upgrade with with the, the newer and, and better. But by all means, don't think you have to drop... A thousand dollars into stuff, right? The Mossberg 500, cheap pair of khakis, modest footwear, and get home. Well,
1: like I said, there's some days where you will find me wearing just a plain orange T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll probably have a pair of Pike gear pants on, but <laughs> I'll be my tri-star. Like, yeah. there's plenty of days where I'm looking like, okay, yeah, you sprung a lot of money on pants, and then you couldn't afford anything else. Um, yep. <laughs> you don't, yeah, you don't need it. Yeah, it's just it's it's comfortable. So it's it's one of those things. That, I mean, we're about the same age. You you hit a point where it's like, okay, cool, I've done it. Now, how can we do this comfortably? Yep. And maybe a little chiller and a little more relaxed and 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 you don't have to go all out, right? Like I like
0: yeah. expensive guns. I like expensive knives, vests, gear. I never started with any of that. No. And by all means, don't try to start with more money involved in your gear than I have in my old truck right now, which is going to be my next probable upgrade. And that's going to make the pike pants look really cheap <laughs> when I, when I need a new 2000, new to me, 2018, cause there's no chance I'm going to buy a new, um, I'm still going to end up in a $25,000 truck. You don't, you don't have 98 grand laying around? Uh, Yeah, Accrued in my mortgage. (laughs) No, I don't. I'm going to nurse this 99 Ford for, I'm looking at it right now in the rain. I'm going to nurse this thing until the doors fall off because there's no chance I'm going to get away with. I'm debt free on that vehicle. Yeah. And if it's 14 miles a gallon or not. Until I have to tow it out of the UP all the way home and sell it for scrap, I'm keeping it um, yeah, that's gonna hurt someday <laughs> when that happens uh, Not that we haven't towed a truck out of the UP all the way home already. It's easier to rent a trailer yeah than it is yeah and you can you can rent a trailer that's a huge huge rabbit hole. you can rent a trailer big enough. To drop an F one fifty on it and tow it home with your buddy's truck. <laughs> it's also cheaper than anything else you can think of doing if you don't want to have whatever it is fixed up there. Now Watch, it's cheaper to it's cheaper to have it fixed up there by a long shot. Paying Grand Rapids mechanic prices is ridiculous. That's just my opinion. <laughs> because the numbers are bigger in Grand Rapids by a lot. Yeah. Oh, um, other things to go custom on. We've we've mentioned some of the high end gear, and I know we mentioned a few of it earlier. Those beautiful burl handled burden fish knives.
2: Yeah,
1: um, I actually I don't have very many fancy knives. Um, no, it's one of those things I've resisted for a long oh. time. It's just another rabbit hole of. Money that I know I will fall deeply down into, <laughs> so I just haven't yet. But I'm not above looking at them. I'll see people at camp and stuff, you know, re- reach out and grab them. I'm like, damn, that's a nice knife. When I proceed to pull out my, you know, my little forty dollar case knife. I mean, it's still a nice knife, but mm-hmm. yeah, holy smoke, some of the knives that I see people whooping out.
0: I've got the I've got the fillet knives. I have two. I have two that should have been expensive. A long time ago, there was a, a company up in Gladstone called Northwoods Knives, and the owner died. The company died with it, and he made stainless steel fillet knives, coca bola handles. It was when he was gone. They some people took over the process and liquidated out the inventory and the parts inventory. And we took two of those. We found them at gun shows. We found two of those knives, and so I have these beautiful paneled coca bola paneled stainless fillet knives, four incher two four inches and an eight inch and we got them at heavy discount um but looking at some of these incredible i gotta think for damascus blades i think i can blame forged and fire tv show for most of that yeah um just they just look incredible
1: yeah i might buy one just i actually saw a neat idea with um, you should get one I saw a neat idea where someone had uh had a custom engraving done of their dog on a gun and I oh, thought yeah. you know, that's it's a little higher rent than I'd probably go, but it would probably be pretty neat to get done on a knife, like a really good knife that's gonna last forever. So, you know, maybe I, when I ace, know a guy ace find, when ace leaves me, I yep. <laughs> I, I might contact him and say, Hey, listen, uh like a memorial knife made and see what we can oh, yeah. get done. And yeah. you know, money won't be an object at that point. So yeah. Yeah. Memorials are one of those things. I've,
0: I've seen some guys that do decoy carving that have dog ashes yeah. inside. And at a certain point, okay, just, do you just tell me when the bills do? And yeah. I'm not even going to look at the number. I'm just, that's what I want. Right. And, and one of those things I think would be uh, anything that you put memorial in front of, um, Yeah, and a decoy full of ashes up on a mantelpiece is probably one of those things. Um, Customs, oh, I'm looking at one right here. It's not really a custom. If you put the money into a gun, put the money into a gun case. Yeah. And I'll I'll plug these guys. They are not a sponsor of the podcast. Well, speaking of sponsors of the podcast... We are sponsored, of course, by Second Chance Bird Dogs. Sometimes a puppy does not find the home the first time around and Second Chance Bird Dogs is there to give every dog that deserves it the best chance at its second chance. So fit that right in perfectly, but uh, perfect. the other one, um, back, back to our topic, field armor came out with a gun case. I saw the... Oh my goodness, I have one. Oh, you like it? <sighs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, if if there was there's a little backstory to it, and that is he he I was I was there at second chance bird dogs, one of the, the Haymarsh events, and Jeff was there from from Field Armor and he says, Joe, you need one of these. I can usually say no. I've gotten really good at buying dog food, by the multiple bags, and saying no to a lot of everything else. And he's like, Joe, we have a premium gun case. Okay, cool. That's nice. No, you need it. Next thing you know, I'm leaving with a gun case. <laughs> Cordura, leather trimmings, and what really kicked it off, and this is one of those things, too, where when to go Custom... He says, Hey, this was a trial run. There's not another one. This is the last one. It's trimmed in moose hide.
1: Oh, that's super neat.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, fake rabbit fur interior. So, there's no rub on your gun. It slides in and out. So, like, say you do spend the four grand on the gun you really, really think you want. Yeah. Okay. The last thing you want is friction on the bluing. Yeah. There's no friction. So, a bit north of a hundred bucks, I get a Cordura exterior with these cool leather trimmings, with a with a great interior. Okay, at a at a certain point, I have to stop being a miser and go. Okay, that one's okay. If you're
1: spending thousands of dollars on a gun, hundred dollars, and it's funny you brought that up because that's something I like. my, My all my shotgun cases are dirt cheap, but my rifle cases are all really nice. But some of my shotguns cost a lot more than my rifles did.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, I don't know, that's, that's something I'm going to take from this podcast.
0: So <laughs> it's so far, I've been absolutely, it has zippers on both ends, right? So they added a second pull. To, I'm, I hope I remember this right. In fact, let me just grab it and see. I hate to give them false advertising and then, yeah, there's a zipper pull on either end of the zipper. So however the gun went in there or whatever's closest to you, you can get to it. And so, of course, they are not at this point a sponsor of the podcast. Um, Contact me, Field Armor, anytime. But uh, no, that's one of those things that I never really, yeah, like all my cases were super cheap. And then I end up with this one. And I'm like, why did I just not do this sooner? Yeah. You know, if if you are going to spend the money, the gunsmithing is another thing too, right? If you're going to put multiple thousands of dollars, especially when you break that two and $3,000 mark, when you start getting into uncomfortably expensive for a lot of people, you're gunsmithing. Yeah. You may very well go, man, I don't, every three, four years, I got to send it in. You know, I got to bring it up to somebody. And for $200, all they do is take it all apart look at all the internal parts that you don't want to really touch on your own, and then just reassure me that everything's good. That's not a bad deal in the end when the last time I did that, they sent me a picture of the locking mechanism on my gun, and they said, what'd you do? I said, why? The lock's brown. Nothing metal in that gun should be brown. (laughs) In fact, the locks were supposed to be gold and they were brown and i said well okay i will no longer be hunting in any sort of rain with this gun and he's like good policy good okay <laughs> so it the maintenance of that expensive gun it, it's like buying insurance every handful of years just take it in and say okay just reassure me that everything is right right i want yeah. this to be at peak so that later on Twenty years from now, I don't want to be surprised by I need a ten thousand dollar rebuild of something that should have been caught by maintenance. Yeah. Ugh. That's a that's a nightmare <laughs> sort of scenario right there, right? That that's that's like watching your dream gun just rust. Just yeah. oh. oh. Uh. Yeah. Don't don't go cheap on gun oil either. Get something premium. Well like,
1: like I think I have said this to you. I don't mind dents or dings. That adds character, but rough shows laziness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh Oh, boy. But, uh, (laughs) oh, I never thought I'd have so much fun on a gear episode, but (laughs) here I am killing it. Um, with that, we will move right along. We have one last final and famous question. Of course, that question is brought to you by Pine Hill Gundogs in Rockford, Michigan. They would like to remind you that the greatest conservation tool is, in fact, a well-trained dog. Also, on a personal note, Scott, the trainer there, is an incredible guy who will give you an honest opinion uh, before your training begins as well. But with that, the final famous last question. If you could use one gun from history for a day, what would it be, and where would you take it?
1: So it's actually funny. I have no clue where it went. Um, I would probably take, so my stepfather's dad, so my grandpa, he's the only grandpa I really knew. Both my grandparents were dead before I was of age. Um, He had a very nice side-by-side 16. I have no clue, make, model, anything. I have no clue. Huge bird hunter. I could not be bothered with bird hunting apart from that one weekend stomping around for the longest time. Um, if I could now somehow, some way, somewhere, find that gun and just go tromping around probably the Lewiston area. Cause that's where he liked to go mm-hmm. and just knock a bird out of the sky with it. Um, that would probably Trump all other guns that I could imagine. Um, And it's funny, for me, it's less about like this, you know, honoring or anything like that. It's just, these are things that I really wish I had gotten to experience with people that really enjoyed them before I enjoyed them. So for me, it would be more just like a, yeah, it's 20 years too late, but we're doing it finally. Mm -hmm. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you're not the first one to, to come up with an heirloom within the family, right? I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've, we've ran a gamut of some incredibly expensive all the way down to a lot of the times it is grandpa's gun. Um, yeah. And I think that that does demonstrate, you know, in a way, the multiple definitions of value, um, which makes it such a great question. I, now I want to know more. I want to know almost as much as you do. what gun it was, because okay, well, there's...
1: A part of me wants to say it wasn't anything special. It was just his favorite gun. I I can't remember if it was this gun or another gun, but he used to tell a story about buying it days after he got home from the war from Montgomery Wards, and that's just the gun he always used. I don't remember... He also had a really neat pump-action 12-gauge, so that could have been the pump-action 12-gauge he was talking about, too. Hmm. But... The side by side sixteen really stands out to me. I, I just I re- always remember him talking about it. And like, yeah, I, it'd be really neat to pull that gun out.
2: Hmm.
1: Oh
0: boy. You know that that is one of those things you'll 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 have to just get your own.
1: Well, I have a side
0: by side sixteen, and that's part of the reason I,
1: I bought <laughs> a side by side sixteen.
0: Oh, good. <laughs> good. So, yeah, then. You're you're one step closer. Now, with a premium yeah.
1: case, you'll be all set. Yeah. And a little more complicated answer. I I guess yeah. fancier answer. It would be really neat to go on a Western big game hunt with an old fashioned, old school just Molly Wap and thirty five Remington or forty five seventy. Ooh, it would. And just, just lever gun. Just mm-hmm. hold, just do it like the way it used to. I don't have a specific gun in history that I would do that with. It was
2: just
1: <laughs> that'd it, be neat to do. Oh boy.
0: There's that the trouble when you get into rifles Yeah, is so much of our literature has those guys in their guns. Oh yes. And there's probably no joke. There's a thousand guns out there that have some sort of provenance with them that, Oh, Oh man, there's, there's some obscure ones. You know, if you want to shoot a Buffalo, you could do it with the gun from, um, the one trapper Indian Wells that had a mile long recorded kill with an eight, with a forty five seventy um, on an Indian attack. Right. And he just, he just hauls one off at the the group of Indians up on the Hill looking over the battle and he gets one. And <laughs> you're like, well, then you start asking the question about those guys that shoot the sharps nowadays out West. And they're like, yeah, you can shoot a mile. In fact, come on out to our ranch and we'll, we'll roll off a mile on the odometer and you can shoot four by eight sheets of plywood, you know, they, they're that precise of a gun and you're like, boy, well, if a Buffalo hunters infinitely more precise than you are as a hobbyist, maybe that wasn't just a good old lucky shot, maybe he got pretty darn close on, on skill alone, Yeah. but you're like, there's, there's so many cool rifles. Um, of course this is a bird podcast, so you there is an interesting story someday I will tell about shooting birds with a rifle. <laughs> that rifle is also historically very famous in Africa. And someday maybe that story will come out Um, <laughs> for another day. But uh, I think that wrapped us up. Do you have any closing yeah. shots?
1: I, not, not really. I just, I think you hit it kind of head on. I mean, I know this podcast is about gear, but I, I I'm hoping that we both kind of also set the tone of, we both started with not a whole lot of anything, other than a will mm-hmm. to want to do it, and um, I've right down to paper atlases and mm-hmm. old boots, and it, I had, and I, I'll be honest, at some points I had more fun just learning with nothing than I did expecting with a lot. Mm-hmm. So you know, to anyone listening, you, with you know, going, holy crap, yeah, to be nice to bike must be nice. It, it can be. It can be very nice without all the stuff we're talking about. It, 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 some of the best hunters I know would scoff at us for talking about gear. Like, we're overthinking the game. Like, what, who cares? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it is also important to remember, too, that there is a reason gear has this niche, and it's because it does make the pursuit that much more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, There is something to be said that, you know, the suffering is part of the journey. But then I kind of feel like once you get on the freeway, set the cruise control. Like, you're you're good now. Yep. So. Yep. And one one little thought, too, right? We always talk
0: about uh, wet-resistant pants. The golden hour is totally dry. Yeah. The last hour of daylight has no dew. It has no atmospheric moisture aside from if it's raining on you the best hour of bird hunting if you're if you're diehard grouse doesn't yeah. have any moisture at
2: all you, any you can wear
1: tennis shoes most days tennis shoes yeah
0: cotton pants that yeah. that high-vis orange work shirt like the one i'm wearing right now because i haven't changed from work and yes. and anything else right the the cheapest of gear is perfectly acceptable for the best hour of grouse hunting.
1: Oh, that's 100% accurate. Yeah.
0: So for those of us that spend a pile of money to be comfortable in the morning, the best hour of grouse hunting needs none of that stuff. No. And if if you're going to get one hour a day, make it the last one. Yep. And, and the grouse won't thank you for it, but... <laughs> you'll, you'll be happier probably then than any other time. Um, but maybe that's the best parting shot, Yes, We didn't start with any high-end... No, I did nothing. not start with special custom domestic knives. I didn't start with a German-made shotgun. I had not... a
1: synthetic pump gun. Yep. I, about as least fancy, stereotypical grouse as it gets.
0: I think the grouse I remember shooting from the roadside that was flying was with a Stevens single shot 20.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. There's, you You can start with almost nothing. Um, yeah. So I think that's probably the perfect way to end a gear episode is throw most of it away. <laughs> buy the, start, start cheap. Yeah. Really, that's it. Now, I will say that while starting cheap on a lot of other things, Dave, I'm going to thank you again for this bottle of Noble Oak. It is double oak bourbon. I got it for being a... I don't know how he got down to me. But I turned out to be a celebrity judge for a fun hunt trial up at Haymarsh to fundraise for a veterans hunt coming up in September. And I'm sure that if you were to contact Dave Veldman, there would be a way for you to uh, donate towards that that veterans hunt. It's going to be a big event. It's a four-day thing. But uh, he couldn't find any other celebrities, and so he chose me to to fill in as one of the judges. And so you don't have to go cheap on your bourbon when you go to Grouse Camp. (laughs) That one, I'm going to guess, was not cheap because it drinks remarkably well, which is why I'm going to take, judging by what's left, I'm going to spend probably two and a half, three months nursing that along as slowly as I can because I'm not in a position to really replace that bottle till just about October. (laughs) So with that in mind, we'll call it quits for the night. I am going to get ready for work in the morning. Oh boy. And you have a day off.
1: I have a day off. I I mean, mean, it looks like it's going to rain all day, but. Whatever, it's better
0: than work. I'd like to thank you again for listening. It's been a pleasure to talk with all these interesting people and to bring those conversations to you. If you would, please take the time to like and share or rate and review this podcast. It will help get the word out to others who may also enjoy uh, conversations kind of like these. You can find us on Facebook under Bird Camp, Follow there, as well as on Instagram, now at birdcamppod, one word. If you want to support the podcast financially, we do that through Patreon, just for a couple of bucks. I figure the cup of cup of coffee or the price of a beer a month is pretty cheap. I'm good for it. And uh, you take those funds and use those for either an expense here at the podcast, or if there's any excess it goes into something fundraising for conservation or kids in the outdoors or some such things as that and uh, hopefully I will hear from you I always appreciate feedback as well as I look forward to you listening to the next one here on the bird camp podcast